Hello, everybody. We are back again talking about female sexual health, and today I have the pleasure of having Dr. Kim Resnick. She is a GYN oncologist, so she is all things knowledgeable for GYN cancers, cancers that affect the uterus, the ovaries, the vagina, the vulva, etc. Um, she is the division director of the GYN Oncology Department at Metro Health Hospital here in Cleveland, Ohio, and she's very talented, but I do want to mention that her opinions do not necessarily reflect those of her employer. So just FYI, this is just she and I talking, um, and we're talking about sex and cancer. So first, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for being You're here. You're welcome. You're welcome. So good to see you again. Um, so where should we start? Should we talk about, you know, when a person gets a diagnosis? that they have cancer, you know, when should the conversation about sex start? So I think the conversation with sex should always start, but there are many people out there who are not going to feel comfortable having these conversations. And I think the thing for women to remember is, you know, not only is cancer affecting the sexuality of women who are diagnosed with quote unquote, female cancers. And that's sort of obvious, right? We're either doing surgery and and we're affecting the vagina and Mm -hmm. the uterus and things like that. But women who are diagnosed with colon cancer, breast cancer, especially, um, you know, any treatment where they're getting chemotherapy, where they're having radiation, their sexuality can always be affected. Um, And whether it's because they've had a surgery that Mm -hmm. has affected the way they feel about their body, Um, and their image and how they feel as a sexual being, or it's because they're on an aromatase inhibitor Uh with breast cancer. Um, Sexuality is affected in many, many different ways. And across the vaginal dryness, right? Like that's the main thing just for our non-medical listeners out there. Well, breast cancer patients in particular um, are hugely affected um, by the use of hormones um, in cancer and have some of the highest rates of just a decrease in their quality of life because of what the hormones are doing to them. Yeah. Yeah. So I've had some patients who've talked about, you know, severe pain, vaginally, um, dryness, just, just all of that, either while they're on aromatase inhibitors or while they're going through treatment or after for years after they're, they're on. And the problem is we're, we're just extending how long we're using these drugs for now. Right. And so women are going to be faced with this for a very long time, because even if, um, you know, even if a woman is in menopause, we've all, all of us in gynecology have always believed that these sort of low levels of sort of low potency estrogens continue to circulate and they do a good thing for our bodies. And Mm so we're blocking those um, estrogens for quite some time. um, And it really, really can affect women. And and vaginal atrophy isn't just vaginal atrophy, right? It's not just something that um, affects sex. It affects women when they sit, when they walk, when they wear certain clothes. So it's a, it's, um, it's everything. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's everything. And I've had patients who've come to see me for pain with sex who were on medications um, post breast cancer. And they have said that their doctors talked to them about it. And, and, but I do have this patient who told me she could see the look of relief in her physician's face when she said, no, she doesn't have any issues because she felt like he didn't really want to talk about it. Like he was doing due diligence to bring it up, yes. but he didn't really want to talk about it. 
but you seem like someone who's very open to talking about it. So I how does that love talking you? about sex? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And I mean, I imagine like the first time you're meeting somebody, you're talking about their cancer treatment, you're talking about future um, surgical planning, treatment mm-hmm. planning. How do you fit it into the conversation, and how does that how does that go for you? Um, you know, I think the first the first thing to always is to ask, right? And and I always ask, is a patient sexually active? Yeah. Um, and and that's really asking that question really does open up a lot because I feel that there are so many physicians that don't ask if a patient is sexually active. So yeah. sometimes I will certainly have patients that are like not sexually active, never planning on becoming sexually active again. Like I don't even need to think about this and okay, so I won't sort of push and I won't delve into it. Right. Um, but there are many women mm-hmm. um, and, and younger women, women who are older that want to continue their sex lives, that have yeah. healthy sex lives, that maybe um, have had a cancer that has um, really impacted the way they um, view themselves sexually. And we're finally mm-hmm. going to do something about this cancer. Yeah. Um, and they want to sort of re-engage um, in having a sex life. And so I yeah. just start by asking that question um, and and talking about the ways in which our cancer treatment is going to affect them and really looking at it in three ways, right? Is it surgery? Is it radiation? Is it chemotherapy? How do those affect um, sexuality? Mm-hmm. And, and looking at it not only from a physical standpoint, but obviously from an emotional standpoint as well. Yeah. So are you talking about like body image or mood or kind of everything? Um, It's, it's body image. It's um, women really feel that, that their uterus and their ovaries, even if they have cancer on them are, that is what their femininity is. And it is what it means to be a woman. So even though you and I can explain that, you're still a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to loosely say like the, our, our standard yeah. historical yeah. definition of a woman, right? Yeah. Like yeah. you have um, yeah. X, X chromosomes, like, yeah, yeah. like taking away your uterus does not affect your femininity right. and, and what it means to be a woman, but it, it doesn't matter that that's what I'm saying. And so uh-huh. um, helping a patient get to that place Um, and there are some surgeries we do where it's very visible externally what we're doing. You can't really see, um, a hysterectomy on the outside, but for women where we're operating on their vulva, on their vagina, it can be very obvious, um, to them, to the outside world that, that we've done a radical surgery and what it means to not have your genitals look as you think they should look, Mm -hmm. um, and, and what that means. Yeah. And how we, we get past some of those things. Right. Not to mention just the overall physical changes, the energy changes, uh, all of that stuff. My sister had a uterine lyomyosarcoma a few years ago, and I was with her kind of through some parts of her chemo and after, and I just, I just remember her being really tired and, you know, kind of going through this catching up after such harsh treatment to getting back to her normal Yeah, and I do tell patients it can take um, it takes months, and really, obviously, the number one side effect associated with any cancer treatment, radiation, chemotherapy, is fatigue. Yeah, Um, and and that fatigue can certainly um, it doesn't exactly sort of push you to want to become sexually active. Um, And and oftentimes um, partners are afraid, right? They're afraid of of hurting them, right? Uh That that they're going to harm 
that they're going to do something else. Sometimes there is partner guilt, um, especially when we're dealing with um, HPV related cancers in thinking that um, they, they caused this cancer um, with HPV. And so there's guilt. Um, And, and oftentimes I'll talk to both the, 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 husband and wife or, you know, the boyfriend and the girlfriend, and I'll, I'll talk to them in the office together, even, you know, having had no training um, in, in couples counseling or anything like that. And I certainly know when, um, when I'm out of my, uh, yeah, but when you I'm have so much school. experience and you've seen so many people's lives affected by cancer. Yeah. And, and it's, um you know, specifically for young women mm-hmm. um, and, and I'm not, you know, obviously not talking about teenagers and women in their sure. 20s. And we're really talking about women in their, you know, 30s um, and 40s. It, it can be devastating because yeah. these are women that hadn't gone through menopause, yeah. that still were very active sort of sexual beings. Um, and I, I'm working with a number of women where where we just have to get them feeling sort of okay in their skin again. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because not yeah. only are the changes of menopause affecting them, but it's it's everything. It's how the vagina yeah. feels, you know, what it feels like to have a vagina with no yeah. cervix in it mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and things like that. Yeah. And they still can orgasm. Just so we can say that out there, without a uterus, you can still have an orgasm. I know there's a lot of people who think you need a uterus and a cervix to orgasm. It's not true. Yes. And, and you know, look, sadly, there are cancers where we have to remove the clitoris. Um, that is, it, that's life-changing. Um, that's a really big conversation. Um, and yes, obviously, the clitoris is an important part of orgasm, but it's also... I talk a lot more about intimacy, right? And what it then means to express intimacy with your partner yeah. if if you're not going to expect sort of your normal orgasm because many women only have an orgasm with yeah, the clitoris. an intact clitoris, right? Yeah. A lot of women don't have an orgasm from anything that has to do with the vagina or penetration. Yeah. And so yeah. those are some really big conversations as to what does intimacy look like when you won't be able to sort of have a climax in the way that you were used to having it. Yeah. And do you ever see people changing their treatment options based on it? Or, I mean, because I feel Um, like I've seen research that shows kind of after the fact where people say, oh, my doctor didn't talk to me about sex. Oh, I didn't know this was going to happen. But then I've seen research that said, well, I wasn't ready to think about sex when I was given my diagnosis, all I could hear was cancer. That was it. I didn't think of anything else. Yeah. So, I mean, do you ever see people say like, kind of say, Oh, I don't want that. If I, if that means my clitoris is going to be removed or anything um, like that. I, I think so. Obviously the, the only time, obviously that, that, that is a surgery is when we have, you know, a squamous cell cancer of the vulva. Yeah. And usually at that point, because the problem is if, even if we were to offer radiation, we are still affecting anatomy down there. And no matter what we do, we are altering blood vessels, we're altering nerves. And so, um, I think again, most women, they hear cancer and nobody is able to move forward beyond that. Um, but I think what people aren't really thinking about, and especially for my young women, who enter into menopause because of cancer treatment, right. it, it isn't even remotely on their radar right. how their bodies are going to feel. And it's yeah. it's pretty shocking to the system because yeah. at least when somebody has been in perimenopause for years, right, they've had mm-hmm. all this time to acclimate yeah. um, as, you know, our skin gets drier and we have hot flashes for, right. you know, 
right. seven or eight years. But when we're yeah. all of a sudden putting a woman through that, roughly, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's um, it's extremely hard, yeah. and it really does take it. It's a it's a multidisciplinary approach. I use um, um, we both know there is a lovely um, therapist that we have yeah. both worked with. Um, yeah at university and, yeah. and I use, um, counseling and, yeah. and I recommend couples therapy. I, I mean, we talk about positions. We, the, right. It's biopsychosocial. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Totally. And there are lots of treatments available. I mean, I, I have to tell you, I had a patient about a month ago, um, who had actually had a couple different cancers, which was just really unfortunate. And she was in her early to mid forties and, um, still sexually active. And I was talking to her about it and she's like, yeah, it hurts like hell, but I just kind of, I go, I just suffer through it and just ask. Deal with it. Kind of, yeah. yeah. And I was shocked. I was like, seriously? Like, no, they all say they just uh, deal with it. And you're like, God, that's, it sounds like torture. Yeah, completely. And, and she's finally came for help because like you mentioned before, her partner actually feels terrible and doesn't want mm-hmm. her to have pain um, and wants her to feel good and pleasure during that sort of intimacy. And and there is treatment and there's lots of options, whether it's hormonal or not hormonal. And, you know, we're all learning. There's, there's some areas where there's not great evidence and we're trying to figure that out, but there really are options for people. And there's very few people that I say, I can't help you. You know, there, I don't think there's anybody that there's not. Yeah. Something and, and I think that, you know, look, Unfortunately, the best thing for all this yeah. is estrogen, right? right. Like right. We, we haven't been able to move beyond estrogen. Like yeah. we know that, right? We know yeah. the best thing for hot flashes is estrogen. Right. We know the best thing for severe vaginal atrophy is estrogen. Right. We know the best thing for making ourselves feel normal again mm-hmm. is estrogen. Mm-hmm. No, there are some women who cannot be on estrogen. Right. We, we understand that. And right. there are so many sort of like amazing drugs that they're coming out with every day, sort of, you know, selective estrogen um, antagonists and agonists and things like that. But for many women, especially who are a number of years out from their cancer diagnosis, and I'm specifically talking here about breast cancer. Yeah. um, Oftentimes, and we know that the uptake of using vaginal estrogen, we actually just talked about this today in our mock oral boards. um, We know that the uptake of vaginal estrogen systemically is mm-hmm. so low. Yeah. And I think the old school mentality in medical oncologists is just to across the board say, absolutely not. Right. This patient has a hormone receptor positive cancer. They yeah. can't be on hormones. But I think the, the thinking is starting to swing the other way. Yeah. Um, and it really does take a conversation between the patient, mm-hmm. the medical oncologist, and yeah. either the gynecologist, the GYN oncologist to say, look, what is safe for this patient? Because yeah. we obviously want to keep her safe, but she obviously needs a quality of life. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So much of it is about quality of life. And I think that's what I've heard a lot with women going through cancer. The you know Initially, they're just trying to, they want to survive. So once they yep. get through survival... And really, we can talk about quality of life and and all of those aspects with sexual function. My last question for you, even though we could talk about this for hours, <laughs> is, you know, for somebody who is like my patient who, you know, feels like her physician doesn't really want to talk about it or, right. you know, or, or but they are struggling with it and they're wondering how to get help. Like what, how does somebody bring that up? And yeah, what would you recommend? Obviously, there are going to be physicians that simply don't feel comfortable talking about this. Um, this is not 
something that is taught well um, in medical school and in medical training. Um, so there are going to be physicians that don't feel comfortable talking about this. But I do think um, it comes down to the, the woman, to the patient saying to them, look, I'm having these issues. Um, can you talk about this or do you have someone to refer me to? Or say, I'm going to go back to my gynecologist even though I'm being treated for cancer right now. I'm going to go back to them to talk about this and to see what they suggest. Sometimes um, this might be their regular OBGYN that delivered their children. Sometimes this might be a gynecologist who specializes in menopause. It might be a gynecologist who specializes in sexuality. Um, I have colleagues that, that perform all of these roles. Um, and for many uh, gynecologists that specialize in sexuality, a very big part of what they do now um, is taking care of women who are undergoing cancer treatment, talking to them and their spouses about what intimacy and what sexuality mean and how to um, return to a place where sexuality and intimacy are comfortable again. We know that the internet is a huge resource too. Women can find so many resources online. They can research just about any topic that they want to research. In addition to finding um, support groups, utilizing resources, um, finding places to go like the Gathering Place here in Cleveland. We are so lucky to have a resource like the Gathering Place. The thing that we need to remember is our female patients are dying to talk about this and they just need the opening and hopefully patients feel comfortable finding that opening with their physicians or their physicians have the wherewithal to to open up and talk about these things oh well that's really helpful and i really appreciate your time and um i'm sure i will contact you sometime in the future where more topics come up and i'm sure people who are listening will have more questions so i hope to have you back sometime in the